This is an ultimate global podcast. Hello, and welcome to our special weekly podcast on trending international and social affairs. You're listening to Saurabh Kora and George Mavros from Sydney. So welcome to another exciting episode of the Ultimate Global Podcast. Um, and we've been doing a special series of episodes on the CEOs, founders and co-founders. Um, in this episode, we have been joined by Ismat, who is the co-founder of uh, Syn- Synbiote. Um, and Synbiote is uh, a company which is involved in streamlining production of biopharmaceuticals bio- and biomaterials by developing a process, analytical technology. I'm sure he's going to explain us more about that. So, uh, you know, Ismat, I will, I'll pass it on to you and you explain us more about uh, your product um your market and probably just introduce yourself to us thank you yeah, of course yeah so um uh, yeah i'm i'm ismat i'm uh, currently a uh, master student at unsw uh, i started symbiote um really to tackle an issue that was uh, a little bit of a pet peeve of mine um so i, I i'm a trained biotechnologist and i, I do a lot of uh, biochemical work where i'm constantly purifying uh, proteins and I realized that the, the, main, the main problem that I was facing or the, my main gripe at the entire process was the amount of analysis that we had to do to figure out whether or not the protein that I was using was workable, it was in its right form, is completely pure. And I thought, surely there must be a better way to do this. And so I started turning to industrial methods and industrial processes to see you know, if they're doing this at such large scale, there surely must be a better method out there. And um, turns out there isn't really. <laughs> what we do in academia is pretty similar to what we do in industry. And I mean, with, with some fancier tech here and there. And that's where the initial idea of Symbiote really came to be, where we would develop this rapid method for quality assurance and quality control through developing this process analytical technology, which allows you to monitor how well your product is purifying in real time. Now, the the main reason why i think this is such an important problem to solve is because when we start producing things like biopharmaceuticals like let's take insulin for example right we back way back in i think the i think the 60s and the 70s um before the real advent of molecular biology what we used to do is we would kill thousands and thousands of pigs harvest their pancreas and squeeze that for all the insulin that was trapped inside it. And we would, and to put things in perspective, I think four and a half tons of pig pancreas would only produce enough insulin for one person for a year and a half. So it, you know, and if we're trying to tackle diabetes at a global level, it's not a very sustainable method. So this is where we started turning to things like bacteria, where we would try and encourage bacteria through genetic engineering to produce our insulin for us. And if we think of bacteria, right, bacteria is a cell. And now cells are, you can think of them like a big bag of M&Ms, right? Each molecule is a different color. Our insulin is one particular color. When we're purifying it, we're kind of going about it in a blind sense where, um, you know, we're trying to select for um, a certain color group, right? So we want everything that's a shade of green. And everything that's a shade of green will kind of purify away, but you'll end up with some yellows, some orange here or there throughout the system. And when we essentially extrapolate that metaphor into industry, 
we tend to find that that purification step alone can account for up to 80% of total production costs, right? So if you, oh, sorry, Sarab, you're, you're, you're muted. <laughs> no, um, I'm just saying that's, that's really fantastic, um, you know, to know the technicalities uh, of your product. I would, I would be really keen to know, uh, you know, from, uh, from a business perspective, from a founder perspective, because I know a lot of people who might be listening to this might not know those technicalities, but what they might want to know is how did you come up with that idea? What went into that ideation phase, you know, from a founder's perspective? Um, and when, when you actually came out with this idea, how was it perceived by your customers, the target audience that you were actually creating this product for? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. And so in, in terms of how we came up with the idea, it was mainly personal experience, right? And sort of being empathetic with others who are trying to do something very similar and especially creative products from it. So things for your biomedical treatments all the way to things like food and textiles. And so we started looking into, into different analytical chemical methods and we found one that's been very well established. It's been used since the 1920s. It's called Raman spectroscopy. Raman spectroscopy is great because it, it allows you to do that instantaneous capture. And when we started talking to customers about this, they were very, they were very motivated and very, uh, the, I guess, invested in, in us resolving the solution for them because they are spending a tremendous amount of money on making sure that things are pure and ready to go. Uh, to put things in perspective, we can say um, to, in order to produce a molecule that's suitable for biopharmaceutical application, um, you need to produce it in a, what they call a CGMP facility. Now, these CGMP facilities are very expensive to build and, like, and equally so to rent. And so if something is costing you in the ballpark of close to a million dollars, let's say per week, right, each day is incredibly, is incredibly valuable to you. And so if we can cut a process that can take anywhere from, you know, four to 48 hours to a matter of minutes, you know, we're saving them a lot of overhead. And that's, that's really where our customers became interested in, in helping us resolve, resolve this problem. You know, by the way, my co-host, uh, George, has been helping a lot of students through entrepreneurship competitions like Interchange, if you have heard of that, and some other competition as well. Um, I would love to know, George, you know, what will be your thoughts uh, surrounding the project that uh, Ismuth is working from, not from a technical point of view, of course, I don't, I don't I of course, know that everyone might not understand it by that, tip, but from a business point of view, uh, what would be your suggestion to Ismuth or what would be some of your questions to him? Well, I think, I think what we've got here from Ismuth is just a classic example of what I've said to you and many others the fundamentals of sales, marketing and business development don't change. So it doesn't matter whether you're selling dresses, apples, oranges, uh, soft drinks or the services that Ismat's come up with. There has to be sufficient people that need it. He's established that there's that. There has to be a benefit. He's established that. And it has to be something that he can, that you can produce and sell. He's established that. So one of the things for people that have been watching our series, um, his story is really no different to anybody else. There was, there was a need, there was an idea, there was a development of an idea, a commercialization of an idea, take it to market. 
Yeah, and, and and that's something that we've actually been very like just to just elaborate on that point a little bit more, George. Um, being problem oriented for us is really important yep. because no one's going to buy something if they don't have the problem, or if yep. no one's going to buy a solution if they don't have a problem, right? No one's going to spend money um, on something that they don't need, um, well, with the exception of the luxury market. So, but, <laughs> I had I had somebody offer extend me the offer of sitting in on a a ninety minute free um, training session to um, help in my motivation. What was it? Motivation, personal development, and um, achieving goals. I teach that sort of stuff, and I'm very happy with where I am. So the fact that it was free didn't bother me at all. Didn't excite me because. I have no need for it. Um, now, while some people might say that sounds a bit arrogant, um, that's okay. That they're entitled to their opinion. But if you if you send me an ad and you say come and have a test drive of a new car, I have no intention of buying a new car. So why would I want to test drive your new car? That's right. Um, um, so yeah, and I, I think um, so. How long how long have you taken to get to this stage, Isabel? So we're still we see we still are in the R and D process. We are trying to work very closely with some of our customers. We've secured some letters of intent, and we're currently in in this a little bit of a precarious position where, um, <laughs> in order to be able to consistently generate um, an accurate result for one molecule, for example, we need a database that's that take you know a, a very large workforce to produce. So. That's uh, that I think has been both my main learning and my main problem here, where understanding, um, because if it was easy, it would have been done before, right? And so if we're to take, um, if it work hand in hand with with our customers, and um, we're to essentially try and build this product while we're bootstrapping as well, we're not really going around along the the routes of taking investments just yet we we need a pretty large workforce and so what we've done at the, at the same time is we're trying to also go for quite a low hanging fruit within um within the bio uh the biotech sphere which is uh, non-alcoholic beverages as well so we're we're taking this product to essentially license it out to somebody and essentially start generating a a, a recurring revenue so that way we can channel those funds into a um, entire full product I would have definitely want to know from you, Ismat, because uh, you are studying at UNSW. UNSW provides you with some really crucial resources for building your own startup. We have got the UNSW Founders Hub, which kind of motivates you to take part in that. And you can get access to mentors from mm -hmm. UNSW Founders Hub without any cost. It's free of cost. Um, and then you get access to different kind of competitions um, as well. I'm sure you must have participated in some of them. So. Uh, how have you utilized those resources? Uh, because I'm sure people who might be just students at the moment and they have an idea in their mind um, might want to understand from you how you made use of those resources in hand. Yeah, of course. So the founders team and programs that they provide are absolutely amazing. I think I, I really owe them all that I know about this, this field of entrepreneurship and small business, I, I, I owe it to them because I, I was trained in science, came out of science thinking, 
I'd like to, I'd like to commercialize. I'd like to translate. I'd like to have impact. And founders was really that miss that, that link in the puzzle which allowed me to do that. And they're they have incredible programs like the PFC, the 10x programs, and they really allow students like myself to take ideas that they have, especially ones that have been generated at the university too, and essentially build build um, the the knowledge base and the capability to be able to execute and to actually take it to market. So they've been monumental in, in the development of Symbia. And I think that's from the mentorship point of view, because mm -hmm. those are already experienced founders. They have failed a couple of times, yeah, maybe right. more than you. And that's why, you know, their experiences. I would also like to know, you know, from a mentorship perspective, UNSW founders is a good place, but from a networking mm -hmm. perspective as well, uh, did you meet some, but some people from your industry, from, you know, the specific industry that you were targeting? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, because UNSW has, you know, its fingers in all pots, right? They, they have an incredible science and engineering program. They have an incredibly school of medicine, biotechnology. We're able to network with not only just these leading ac academics, but also some of the best companies out there, uh, particularly around um, within that biotechnology sphere as well. And so being able to essentially brainstorm and rattle ideas. I remember the first iteration of the machine, actually. We spoke to... Um, we spoke to some people at, I think, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to mention names, so maybe I won't just now. But um, an organization. We, we spoke to we spoke to quite a large organization. They they were they they understood. Yeah, sure, this is a problem for us, but your solution seems a bit, you know, it doesn't seem like it'll solve it. And so it was really it was really great feedback and really great. Uh, it was a really great learning curve to help us understand what actually works and doesn't work within the pipelines of industry. And UNSW helped, helped facilitate all those conversations. Um, I'm, I was not talking about specifically, you know, within university environment mm -hmm. itself. I'm sure you must have been interacting with people from outside your uni, you know, oh, university yeah. as well to make yeah, sure uh, how commercialized uh, you can make your product in the near future, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And, and like similar to the industrial contacts and this, the actual uh, industrial giants as well, they've um, they've been really great with uh, introducing us to venture capitalists, to angel investors, um, and even even just other other founders as well, right? Because being able to network with other founders who are also learning and growing at the same time um, it really allows us to gain insight into some problems that. You know, I mean, no one went through a pandemic before, right? So how did a how did a successful founder go, manage to navigate through um, through through a pandemic? And then being able to have those discussions was was really important. It's really great. Yeah. Yep. Uh, do you have any questions, uh, George or Smith? Um, given that you've you you're at union you you started off there and now you're finding yourself as being a a founder of an organization what's a couple of the things that have really surprised you about running a business or or an operation compared to what you thought it was before you be, went into it hmm. i think the most surprising thing was the speed at which things move in industry Academia is quite a slow burn. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how long it takes as long as we get the result that we want, 
uh, or the result that we expected. We tried all parameters, all permutations of, of our you know, potential idea. Then you know, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. No worries. In industry, or at least within the startup community, it doesn't seem to be the case at all. You know, it has to be has to be rapid. You don't have the time to try out all the different permutations. You don't have the time to try out every single idea that you have. And so that's where you really have to immerse yourself, or, or that's where I learned that I really have to immerse myself with the with the industry, with constantly talking to my customers, with constantly talking to um, people who experience this problem on the daily and use that to sort of build up um, what the product would look like, particular nuances around the product as well. And um, using those crucial insights, uh, it, was, it, was, it was constant, it was very dense, it was a very rapid and quick paced uh, series of events, yeah. Is there anything that's um, that's come up from this that has made you sort of go, "Wow, I'm not sure I want to continue in this in this business world"? Or um, a couple of times, I think the, but I, I think that all stems from a point of, um, I guess. Um, ignorance for lack of better words. I don't really understand finances, for example, right? Like I don't understand financial infrastructure. I don't understand legislative um, uh, texts either. So when I'm having a look at things like uh, NDAs or how to write an NDA or craft, um, craft a, um, a shareholders agreement or the, all, all of these were things that were um, pain points for me I, I, I would say <laughs> but there there were um there were some really great resources out there like legal vision unsw also helped support me with that and i think it was there where i started becoming a little bit distrustful of some people because i wasn't really sure right i don't know if this is actually the right way to go about it um because yeah. symbiote means so much to me i didn't really trust anyone to build that core infrastructure for the company um but so far i've let go i let people sort of come on board and help us build and no regrets thus far, at least. What's, what's the part of this that you've enjoyed the most? Not, not in the, from a technical, again, from the, hmm. from the founder, from the startup, from the business aspect of it. Yeah. Um, I think the, the thing that I enjoy the most is hearing from customers, how much it's going to change, how things, how things will, will progress. Um, or how how much it will change things things that they do within their actual pipeline. Seeing that actual impact of of the, the product out there, being able to uh, change the world one step at a time, I think is is probably the most rewarding rewarding element out of all of this for me. Fair enough. I know it's it's, <laughs> it's uh, there's a lot, but you know if that had to be the top one, it would be. Yeah. I think you said about uh, the different challenges or tough times you have faced. I thought you will answer that you are facing it every day, but you are pretty lenient. You said not every day, but a couple of times. Um, because a lot of co-founders and CEOs we have chatted with, you know, most of mm -hmm. the time they give us an answer that we face a challenge. We face a new challenge every single morning. Uh, and then we have to we find a way out of it. And I think that's also an exciting part of being a CEO and founder. When you wake up in the morning and you are thinking about a challenge that you're going to face in this particular day, isn't it? Yeah. And I, 
and I guess when we when we speak about challenges, I think um, I, I have a different mindset on it. I think challenges that you can expect are, I guess, part of your day to day. It's what you sign up for. It's what I essentially get out of out of bed in the morning and recognize that okay, I know that these are my problems. These are the challenges that we have to resolve. Um, but when I when I mention challenges, I think um, I think of things that I really did not see, really did not expect, and things that genuinely made me scared that I was going to symbiote would crumble. And you know, thinking about the problems doesn't solve it, isn't it? So if I'm just thinking about ten problems in the morning, does it really help me? Not really. But if I'm if I can you know creatively think about new ways of solving that problem, does it help me? Maybe yes. So I would be better off not thinking about a problem, but instead thinking about 10 different ways of solving that problem so that by the end of the day, at least I've got an answer to that problem instead of wasting two hours just thinking about, oh, that's a problem. That's another problem. That's third problem. Doesn't give me anything, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. And, you know, overall for your mental health, it's not, it's not the best to consistently be saying, hey, um, <laughs> these, are, these are all the problems and I'm just adding to that list over and over and over again. You know, eventually you'll have a straw that breaks you back. There was a very wise man once said, Sarab, if you don't spend half your time worrying about what goes wrong, you've got double the time to fix it. True. Very true. Uh, if, people, if people would just stop the worrying part. Fear, fear and worry of what can go wrong is to be worried about something that hasn't occurred and may not occur. So... If there is an issue, there is an issue. Now deal with the issue. Hmm. And what's the name of the wise man, George? Is it George Mavros? Funny enough, I believe it was. Very wise man indeed. It was an unbiased opinion of mine, is Matt? <laughs> well, I love to hear it because I completely agree with it, George. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would personally love to know from you, Ismet, uh, what have been your top learnings or lessons uh, mm. in going through this journey. I'm sure you're still going through a lot of things. You're just at the beginning of your startup, but what kind of lessons have you learned in your initial journey? Mm. It's, there's, there's a lot. Um, I'd, I'd like to preface this by saying everyone's situation is slightly different, right? Um, and so with Symbiot, the the lesson that I learned was the importance of um, putting lofty ideas on a back burner, right? So with this, uh, I brought it up briefly before with the with the production of this novel beverage, we really I, I wasn't really think I didn't really think it would be a very good idea. I thought it'd be much better for us to focus all our funds into demonstrating repro reproducibility and consistency of our method. However, that would only get us so far. And there was no guarantee that science doesn't work all the time, hence science. Um, there's no guarantee that it would work. And so when I took it from a little bit of more of a, a risk management perspective, I realized that maybe actually producing a lower hanging fruit, which we could license and start generating revenue. So that way we can consistently build this database, then that's, that's probably the best way to go about it. And I think that lesson of being able to not be afraid of changing strategies, um, even momentarily, I think was really important. It was really hard for me to, <laughs> to come to come to grasp with. 
Absolutely. And and is there anything different that you might do or uh, might have done before to kind of tackle the challenges that came on your way? Mm. Um, you know what? Ask me again in a couple of years and I'll let you know. <laughs> I can't really think of any at the moment. Um, just because it's everything's still very fresh, right? We're a year and a half old. Everything, we're still yet to feel implications of certain decisions. So, um, yeah, let's, let's chat again in another two years. I'll let you know. Well, George, uh, I think I don't rec recollect uh, of uh, any other speaker kind of diplomatically diverting the answer to two years down the line, isn't it, George? <laughs> no, but, but one of the things that we're trying to show people with this is that just because everybody's a CEO or everybody's a co-founder or everybody's a this or everybody's that, it doesn't mean it's the same. It's not cookie cutter. And everybody's yeah. experience is different. Um, so I think, that's a, I think that's a terrific answer. And the main reason I think it's a terrific answer is I believe it's your answer. Um, so if that's your experience, that's your experience. If, um, uh, what happens to somebody else doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen with you. Yeah, that's right. And again, um, maybe, maybe it's because, you know, with, with founders and with all the support networks that we've had as well, maybe, you know, we found a, the, the right path forward for us where we haven't had to have much resistance. And yeah. so... It could be again. Could, that's why I say ask, ask me again in two years, and I'll, I'll definitely let you know. Because at the moment, I don't really have many major regrets or anything of the sorts. I think um, it's been it's been a learning curve, and nothing has gone disastrous so far. I'm thankful every day, um, and yeah, it's uh, we we keep on keeping. Very good. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and I think everyone is at a different stage. Uh, you might be at the beginning or in the middle of that, or you might be just figuring out where you are. But I think that's the fun part of being a startup founder that you don't know exactly where you are heading towards. Um, yeah. You don't know whether that will be successful or not, but you still have hopes, you still have a vision, and you still know a direction where you might think might get, get you the result that you're looking for but you are focused towards that and you've got a model in place for that. So how do you envision to take it forward from here, uh, Ismith, mm -hmm. from here? What's, what's your vision for the next one year for Synboy Team? Yeah, so I think the, the, the vision is to make biotechnology more accessible. I think it's, a it's an incredibly important aspect of our lives that needs to be integrated more and more. We need to change the way we produce fundamentally. But the Earth can't sustain our current production methods, neither can we. Um, I mean, we just have a look at the microplastic problem in the water, how that's impacting our, our environment, um, global warming. Uh, biotechnology offers a solution. Well, if, it can, if it can be done sustainable, sustainably, sorry, um, to a lot of a lot of those manufacturing problems. And that's where, that's the main vision for Symbiote, to really make that, to really radicalize and change how we do, how we do production. Um, in terms of the next five years and how we get there, I think starting off with this um, process analytical technology is very important because it makes that entire process of 
uh, analyzing your biopharmaceuticals and your biochemicals and your textiles to a point where it's very streamlined. And so it's just a, it's, it's a domino effect, right? Rome isn't built in a day. So we're, we're taking it one step at a time. And with the, with the machine that we build, we hope to generate some insights into the pipeline as well. So that way we can start developing further, further products to, to actually make this, make by manufacturing a lot more accessible. Well, I think that's pretty exciting, Ismat. And, um, you know, on behalf of both George and I, I'm really thankful for you to be part of this episode. And I'm going to share this episode on our channels of Ultimate Global Podcast. Uh, and hope, you know, that also gives a reach to uh, Sinbarte in the next, you know, uh, couple of months. And uh, we would be happy to, you know, link you up with people in our networks in Sydney and Australia uh, and help in whatever ways. Because, you know, one of the things that, I would love I would love to do through this podcast is not just to have a discussion here, but in fact help co-founders, founders, and CEOs who are becoming a part of this these episodes. And if we can help their businesses some or the other way, um, I think that's the true impact we would love to know. We would love to see from this particular podcast, isn't it, George? Hundred percent, hundred percent, incredible. And I, again, I, I'm I'm very, thank you so much for having me on board. I think um, if I can help somebody along their journey as well, which you both you 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 saw, uh, sorry, Rob and George have done, um, you know, it'd, it'd be it'd be great. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll definitely keep in contact, and hopefully, we can continue our discussions in the future. This is an ultimate global podcast. Hello, and welcome to our special weekly podcast on trending international and social affairs. You're listening to Saurabh Kora and George Mavros from Sydney.